Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. FM 104 Sunday Night Live with Cormac Moore. That's Codeline Brother. It's uh, 12.45 Sunday night, Monday morning. It's Cormac Moore here in FM 104. Uh, there's a petition I launched this evening that you might be interested in getting involved in. You may have heard that people over in the UK have signed up a petition to get the Irish to rejoin the United Kingdom and help get over the mess and the uh, the shitstorm that is, in fact, uh, Brexit. So there are hundreds of people signing a petition to get Irish people to join the United Kingdom again. And it's just a little bit ridiculous, you know, the whole 800 years and all that. If you'd like to uh, help counter that... At the start of the show, I put up a petition on change.org, a petition to get the UK to simply cop on. Because at this stage, it's reached peak stupid. So we almost have our first 100 signatures. If you'd like to be part of that, get in early. You can head over to the Facebook page, F104's Facebook page, and you can check out the link. It's there. It's the, the last post on the Facebook page if you are not in a car. If you're in a car right now, maybe just when you go later and you're checking your phone in bed, you'll be able to, you'll be able to do that as well. There's something where it kind of uh, goes, you know, Donate two euro to it after you've signed. Don't mind that. Don't do that. Just sign the petition and hopefully we can send it over to Westminster and tell them to lads, will you actually cop on? So that's still going and that'll be going tomorrow morning as well. Uh, Now though, uh, if you smoke weed, do you ever worry about the damage it'll have on your sperm? Like if you're a lad and you smoke weed even once a week, do you ever think about what it's going to do to your little men in there and your chances of being able to reproduce or will it send any defects or anything onto the children you might have? I mean, if you don't want kids, it's fine. Smoke away. But if you do smoke and you are planning on having children, uh, you might want to understand and uh, uh, see what exactly weed might happen because there's a new little bit of research that's done when I saw this. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And joining us on the line now live to talk about that is uh, Dr. Susan K. Murphy. Thanks very much for joining us here on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. No worries. As a man, I suppose this may be scared me a little bit more when I saw the headline but um, what are we starting to maybe figure out about weed's impact on sperm? Yeah, it was known previously actually that sperm counts were lower with men who were users of cannabis Um, but in our study we actually quantified that with the levels of THC uh, measured in the urine and then looked at the actual um, sperm count numbers and, and actually confirmed what had previously been known. Um, so definitely there's a decline in sperm count, so it, it can affect fertility in that way. Um, that wasn't really the, the new data, though, that we yeah. were uh, more disturbed about. It was really more what the cannabis seemed to be doing to the uh, it's the epigenetic profile.
profile of the sperm, which just means kind of the mechanism by which the genes in the sperm are regulated or that are poised to be regulated upon fertilization. But there's a lot still we don't know. So, you know, we have a lot of caveats to the study. It was a relatively small study, and we don't know anything about yet, anyway, the potential heritability. So even the changes that we're seeing in the sperm, um, as you alluded to, are they potentially affecting the sperm's ability to fertilize an egg? We don't know the answer to that question yet. Um, And even if it does, is that, uh, will it create a viable pregnancy? So could that be associated with miscarriage if one of those sperm happened to actually be the one that fertilizes the egg? And we don't know the answer to that yet either. And then one of the biggest questions I think to come from it is what does this mean for future generations? And um, we don't know from the standpoint of the gene regulation, although the genes that seem to be affected in the sperm are certainly ones that are involved in uh, kind of helping to orchestrate early development. Um, So the potential is there for them to have an effect, but whether or not those particular changes actually make it through into the fertilized egg in the early embryo is something that we are working on. And it's, it's a really challenging experiment to do um, just because there are millions of sperm even with a reduced sperm count and trying to capture the one that you know fertilizes the egg you, you can't really do that except to look in the uh, resulting offspring to see if the changes that you see in the sperm population of the father are actually detectable in the offspring and that that means that you know one of those sperm had to be the lucky one to fertilize yeah. the egg um, and, and I can say we think that it's probably not the entirety of the sperm population that are affected. Right. Um, from some preliminary studies that weren't in the paper, we think that it's actually a subset of the sperm that are affected. Um, although that's also a challenging thing to show because in in our and in, in many other people's analysis um, to show that a you know one sperm cell is affected across the entirety of its genome requires being able to analyze that one sperm cell across the entire of its genome. So right now what we're analyzing is a population of sperm, which means, you know, potentially millions, and we're looking Mm. at the DNA from that, and we can say, you know, for any given region of the genome, we see this percent difference, but that just means there's that many percent more sperm or less sperm that have this particular marking that we're looking at. But we don't know whether those sperm that have that particular marking, are they also affected at all the other regions of the genome that we're seeing those markings, if that makes sense. So we're working on the methodology to actually look at that uh, more closely to see, you know, is it kind of a widespread Mm. abnormality that's affecting just a small number of the sperm, or is it really that all the sperm are affected, but maybe in a more random distribution? And of course, that would have potential impacts for a future child as well, because if it's a widespread defect in the sperm, then you know if that sperm successfully fertilized an egg, that would be a bigger problem. Is there any, Um, like, to suggest that, or any argument at all, or any logic behind the argument that the sperms that are affected by the weed if they're less capable of fertilizing an egg does that reduce the risk of it being passed on so it mightn't have the strength or the mechanisms to fertilize the egg yeah you would think so logically that would make sense um and and so we don't know Uh, the one i guess argument against this has come from animal studies and and certainly we've also done some animal studies um published in the paper but also some other ones that that are not published yet that we've we've submitted for publication showing uh, and 
who are not the only group to show this, but yeah. there are behavioral effects uh, in the offspring who are not themselves exposed, but the father was exposed. Oh. And uh, another group who studied this pretty extensively has shown when you expose both, and this is in rats, when you expose both the moms and the dads during their own adolescence, so basically rat teenage years, when they're <laughs> the worst rat to teenage THC, years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but their offspring, when they go through adolescence, uh, are, exhibit behavioral um, changes, oh. much like ADHD, actually, um, but are also, in, in these other studies, uh, not our group, another group, has shown that they're more, um, they exhibit more addictive behaviors. Oh. So if they're given the choice to self-administer uh, heroin, they'll do that. The, the rats who had parents who were exposed will do that more than a control group of rats who wow. parents weren't exposed. Well, that's fascinating. But, um, it, yeah, and those studies, though, they never uh, separated out the paternal versus the maternal right. influence okay, of yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and we have not done the heroin-seeking behavior part of the experiment, but we have done just through the paternal uh, germline to show that, yes, there are behavioral effects in the offspring as well. So, again, whether it's the three, it's got to be through some mechanism, but we, we know or we're pretty sure it's not through a mutation of the DNA because um, we don't see mutations that are associated with that, but we think it's due to this epigenetic <clears throat> phenomenon that's changing the way the genes are regulated. Um, in your study and maybe previous searches that have come before, because obviously people are smoking more marijuana and weed than, than ever before, yes. how much do we know is kind of uh, too much weed to be smoking before you start to see a decline in your sperm count? Gosh, that's a really good question. I can't answer that. In our study, we had what we considered to be moderate use. Um, these were men that were actually, to be included in the study, they had to be using cannabis at least once a week, right. but not every day. <laughs> so we didn't want heavy users. It was more a moderate type exposure um, yeah, yeah, regimen yeah. that we were, we were looking for. So I don't know what the minimum amount would be to start seeing these effects. It's a, it's a really good question. And another really good question is, like, how long, you know, would smoking once do this? Yeah. <laughs> would, you know, does it take months of smoking to have this happen? I think our rat studies have suggested that it's probably not months because they were exposed for 12 days in the experiments that we published. Um, and the you have to take into account the length of the spermatogenic cycle, too. How long does it take for sperm to mature? And yeah. in a rat, that's about 56 days. So even just a 12-day exposure... And the rats brought about these effects that we saw on the sperm. And in the humans, we're actually uh, doing, we're in the process of doing a study now where we're uh, asking the question, if, if a user stops using for a period of 11 weeks, which covers the length of the spermatogenic cycle in humans, w yep. which is 74 days, um, would that uh, lead to basically kind of a washing out yeah. of the effects we're seeing in the sperm? Because they've all matured and, you know, moved on in their sperm careers, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. without being too crude about it. But uh, we don't know. So and part of the question is, is this affecting kind of the, the stem cell population that gives rise to the maturing sperm kind of throughout the course of an adult man's life? Life, or is it affecting the sperm after they've started that maturation process? And we're hoping that that's the effect we're going to see, and we just don't know. Because if, if you can wash it out, then that would be great. Then, yeah. you know, if you wanted to be safe about having a child or conceiving a child, you could uh, just abstain from using cannabis for, you know, the length of a spermatogenic cycle, preferably longer. Mm. But uh, 
um, before you, you tried to conceive. But we, we don't know the answer to that yet. And, and hopefully within the next uh, about year or so, we'll have um, recruited all of the, the individuals that we need to have in the study to be able to answer that question. Uh, and then, <clears throat> just final question, you, you probably mightn't be able to answer this either, but because there are varying different types of strains of marijuana and weed that are out there and, and, and yeah. different stronger potencies and stuff like that, were you using normal marijuana, for want of a better word, like your, your traditional unaltered or un- unchanged? Yes. Yeah, that's a really good question. And part of the problem with the kind of study we did, it, it wasn't in a way controlled. Of course, it, where I live in North Carolina, it's not legal to right. use. So we were recruiting from uh, the public population of users who were willing to participate in the study. I mean, there was no, we didn't have to report them or anything. So there was nothing <laughs> like that. But um, but we don't know, you know, the particular strains that they used or the, the strength. We were assuming, and we don't know, know this for sure either but that THC since it's the major psychoactive component and that's generally how the strength of the marijuana is um, categorized that that is the kind of bad actor in the marijuana but there are other types of cannabinoids that are in marijuana that could be contributing as well and so we long story short I I can't answer that Um, we're going to be start doing some experiments in uh, a culture model of spermatogenesis where we are able to obtain the cannabis and have a particular uh, strain. The National Institute on Drug Abuse here in the United States has um, cannabis uh, that is grown for research purposes. And so yeah, there's an application form and, you know, we have to be uh, registered and, and um, get uh, approvals from the Drug Enforcement Agency to be able to do this. But that way we can actually control, we'll use the same yeah, 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 strain yeah. for all of our experiments and, and they actually uh, have it where you can order it by a particular dose. So we could actually look at dose effects as well. So for somebody who maybe is, a, as you said, a moderate smoker of cannabis, mm-hmm. who might be thinking of potentially starting a family, any advice that you can give now? <laughs> I, uh, that's one of the most common questions. And, and I think um, because we recruited users, one of the cri- or we recruited control group as well as the users for our pilot study, one of the criteria for the control group, which were the non-users, was that they had not smoked or consumed cannabis within the last six months right? Okay. Um, and that they had no more than 10 lifetime uses. So what I've been saying, since we really don't know, as I mentioned, we don't know if it's the stem cell population of the sperm that are affected or if it's just the maturing sperm. We don't know the answer to that yet, but, you know, assuming that it is the, uh, maturing sperm that are affected, um, then I, my, my best recommendation would be stop for at least six months stop using for at least six months before trying to conceive a child but the problem with that advice is that if it is the stem cell population then stopping is not going to make any difference (laughs) i think overall though it's important to to keep in mind that there's still all these caveats about you know we think it's a we think it's a subset of the sperm that are affected and not all of the sperm although we don't know that for sure um we aren't sure that they can fertilize an egg, and we aren't sure that the changes can be carried forward to the child, although the rat studies suggest that something is being carried forward. Um, so, you know, is, is this a large risk? I, from what we know right now, I would say probably not huge. But it, it's kind of, you know, do you win the lottery or, you know, if you mm. had a, 
random chance of picking one out of millions of sperm, is it that one that's going to yeah. be the, the one that fertilizes the egg? And we there's obviously no guarantees. You don't know that. So I think just out of an abundance of caution, I would say abstain for six months if, if that's something that you are willing to do and uh, and with the knowledge that it that may not solve the, the potential risk. FM 104 Sunday Night Live with Cormac Moore. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.